Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola, I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. I hope everything is fine and just generally going well. Um, I Today I'm just in a mood of sort of like thanking God and just blessing him for his mercies upon my life, you know, and um, I know I've started a lot of musings this way, but, and sometimes it may seem like it's a cliche, but I am well and truly and honestly very grateful for God's presence in my life. I'm grateful for the things he's seen me through. His presence in general, you know, he's just been there. You know what I mean? He's just there. You know, the Bible describes him as an ever-present help in time of need. And the fact that I have this 24-7 access to the throne of God, to the comfort of the Holy Spirit, to his wisdom, to his counsel, and just knowing that there's someone who has my back. And... Honestly, I've said this before. I really don't know how people do life without God. Because this world can throw so many things at you. You know, there's just so much going on. And I guess this is why people, you know, some people gravitate towards, you know, addictions of of sorts. You know, whether it's drugs, whether it's, you know, whether it's, you know, just addictions, whether it's whatever it may be, substances of some sort, lifestyle choices. Because it's becoming more and more clear to me that on two levels, one, it's quite clear that man, God never intended that man should function separated from God. That was never his plan. You know, it was never his plan. So, where we found ourselves in a in a world where we are alienated from God and where it's easier to understand the things that are contrary to him and you know just this entire planet the way the world is it's clear that something went wrong this is not the original design you know it's clear that's why we have this the reaction that we do to sickness to sorrow to pain all of that is our bodies, our minds, our spirits rebelling against this corruption of what was meant to be. The fact that we we find, you know, despite the fact that we're born into this world and we all know that one day we're going to leave this earth, we still find, we can, you know, so, so the separation of death, it still continues to be painful. And the only reason why that would be the case, I mean, really... Is because somewhere in our subconscious, our collective subconsciousness, as human beings created and connected to God the Father by virtue of creation, we know that these things ought not to be. We know that man was created as an was created as an um, eternal being and was never meant to die. We know this. We know this. We all know this. I honestly believe now that even people who claim to be atheists, atheists, in their heart of hearts, they know that there is something out there. You know what I'm saying? They may not know who he is. They may not know what he is and how he came to be. 
if at all he did have a beginning of days but the decision to not believe is 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 a decision to say it's almost like challenging god if you exist show me and so long as you can't show me then you know and i think i personally believe that i'm getting to that point in fact i believe this i believe this very strongly i believe that when jesus said by this shall all men know that you are my followers when you love one another it's because he knew he knew that on this earth the one thing that would differentiate us from every other set of people is the love of god there was there's nothing else that cannot be camouflaged you know what i'm saying every other thing whether miracles signs and wonders material blessings all those things well, I mean, in fact that one is even the greatest deception of all material blessings can be camouflaged but the love of god you can't fake it you can't fake it you cannot fake it it's, it's, it's selfless it's unconditional it gives life it gives strength it's connected to god it carries his power his essence his glory you can't fake it you know what i'm saying but you see that that is the one thing that we have we've done every other thing but to obey that commandment of love We've protected our churches, we've protected our communities, we've, we've fought to protect our way of life, we've fought to protect our buildings, our assets, you know, everything but that which Jesus gave us. He gave us two commandments. Thou shalt love the, lo the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy soul. And the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. As I have loved you, so you love one another. And that we have failed to do. We have failed to do it. I have failed to do it. So, you know, I'm... There's just, you know, there's just a lot going on in my mind as to what it means to really be a believer in this modern world and how I'm honestly still on this journey. I thought I had made more progress, but I now realize that and I'm not saying I haven't made progress, but I think if I look at where I have been in the last two years, it's moving from, first of all, being aware that there's a big, there's something wrong, you know. And then getting into this whole space whereby I started meditating on the soul, the whole experience of the spirit, soul and body and the difference between, you know, challenges of the soul as opposed to the spirit and as, as opposed to of the body and just being in that space where i began to realize that i was i just didn't understand why i just think there was something wrong so i think for the god has now brought me to that place where i i i, I was able to find out what was wrong and what was wrong was essentially that i was not living the bible standard for a follower of christ and I had gone after other things while thinking that, you know, um, I, I, while still believing that I was a follower of Christ, whereas I was a follower of self and I was a follower of other things. And to a very large extent, my life on earth had become more important than 
God's purpose for my life and that Christ was just an addendum to my life. He was not the center of my life. And since then, uh, and, and this is, you know, me just, like I said, this year coming to that realization by also going to semi in seminary, I've been able to, or Bible school, I've been able to sort of like understand this and God is bringing me to that place of putting all my thoughts together and my experiences. So for the past two years, I've learned how to separate, to realize that at the end of the day, my relationship with God is the most important thing. In my life and that my relationship with God should not be determined by the problems or the challenges I'm going through and how well God is helping me through them that that, that, that it has no basis so that was what I first learned in the first two years or what I've been learning rather but now I'm also beginning to realize that there's still a whole lot more I was reading the book of Matthew chapter 5 yesterday. I'm just reading through this, the entire, um, you know, everything about Jesus preaching in the Beatitudes when he says, you know, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. He said salt is for seasoning, but that if there's salt that has lost its seasoning, that it's good for nothing, better you throw it away. And it's true. Imagine having salt in the house that has lost its ability to season. In other words, it's not salty. Salt that is not salty is not salt. Something else. In fact, it's dangerous to actually put it in your food because if it has lost its saltiness, then there's absolutely no point of using it for anything. You just have to throw it away. And it says we are the seasoning of the earth. We are on this earth not to be blended with the earth, but to season it, to change the coloration, to change the taste of the earth. To make the, the earth pleasurable for consumption. To enrich the earth, the living experience of the earth. And then he went on to talk about, let your light shine in such a way that men will see your good works and proclaim you know and give glory to god in heaven honestly i am on a quest a personal quest of learning what it means to fulfill that which is written there because clearly i can see that in my life i haven't been shining my light in the way to that extent that um jesus is talking about where people are thanking god for your life it happens every now and then but not not in the way described in Matthew 5. So I still have a lot of a long way to go. But I'm trusting God. And like I said, I, 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 I don't know, it's, it's, it's good not to look back, but I really feel bad for so many years of serving God, serving myself and thinking that I was serving God. And I look at, it's just 20 wasted years because now I'm realizing that what I, the journey I should have been on is on learning how to make Christ the center of everything that involves me. And you know, I, I keep saying this thing and I, and I hope if you're someone that listens to this episode quite frequently, God bless you. I'm hoping that somehow God will illuminate these words and help me understand what I am saying and also all those who are listening help us all understand as well. Because 
It is possible to profess Christ, to think that you are following him, but to actually not be following him. And the way you will know, I mean, I remembered, you know, the other day, um, my last musing before this one, I actually mentioned there that I reflected there that I was, that I realized that I'm like the rich young ruler that Jesus talked about. I think it was in Matthew 10 or so. When the man said, what must I do to do in, inherit it, it, eternal life? And Jesus said, you know what? Love the Lord thy God with all the heart and all that matter. And it was like all these things I've observed since my youth. I mean, he was so confident to say that. And the Bible said, Jesus looked at him and I guess Jesus could see that. Okay, yeah, he's saying the truth. But Jesus now, by the revelation, I mean, sight of the Holy Spirit said, there's one more thing you need to do. And if you notice, Jesus didn't tell everybody this. So he realized that this man, there was one thing that was holding him. And he said, Take all your possessions, sell it to the poor, and come and follow me. The guy went away very sorrowful because he had a lot of possessions. So you see, I, I, I looked at it, I felt that that was me because this guy actually loved God. He's not like all the other people that Jesus met who, you know, were very, very far off. He, he, he was a devout person. He loved God. He had sought God all his life and he'd gone to great extent to make sure he was following God in the best way that he knew. But there was something else that had his heart more than God. And you see, you cannot serve God and mammon. God, God has to be the center. He has to be the main. It's like, it's like a man that has, you know, if you're in a relationship, these days we talk about exclusive relationships. The relationship with God has to be exclusive. Do you understand? You can't have a side chick. You can't have a side guy. You know what I'm saying? There, there, there can't be a plan B. There, there can't be something outside of your life or within your life that is competing with God. So I have had many things in my life competing with God. And I think the first last two years, God was helping me to shine a light on those things and um, helping me to strip away and just, you know, reprioritize. In fact, just deal with all of that and resubmit my life to him afresh. And I, he helped me with that. Some of those things and relationships that I had exalted beyond what they should have. I have, by his grace, by his power, by his leaning, we've done a reordering and, you know, the Lord is beginning to take his rightful place or I'm beginning to give God his rightful place in my life. That's a better way to put it, a more appropriate and accurate and respectful reverence um, way to put it. And that's, you know, um, well, there's still a whole lot more. And, you know, it, it was, it's funny how, you know, how God shows me the, or, you know, these things just, God opens these things up to me because I have read that story of the rich young ruler many times. I've sort of identified with it, but I've never really seen myself in it. But this time, for the first time, two days ago, I saw myself, I, I was like, this is me. Because whenever God asks me to do things, the first thing I feel is a, is a, is a, is a lot of sorrow, <laughs> You know, I feel so not not all the time, but several times, many times, particularly when he wants me to do those big discipleship things. Because the point is, and and I'm realizing now, I hope that rich young rulers, I don't know how his story ended, because I'm realizing that that sorrow is actually part of the process of dying. But then, you know, this guy, he never came back. He went and he never came back. So, 
there is no indication that he was actually able to bring himself to that place to do what Jesus asked him to do. And to a very large extent, that has been me. While still trying to walk with God, you know what I'm saying? So trying to cut it at both ends. But Jesus keeps telling us that you can't, you have to. He keeps saying this, you know, you can't sit on the fence. You can't serve yourself and serve God. You have to deny yourself to serve God. You can't serve God and serve mammon and wealth and materialism at the same time. You would either have to drop mammon, materialism and cleave unto God. You cannot serve yourself also and serve God. You cannot serve your family, your father, your children and also serve God. It's not possible, you know. And this is where I think there is so much opportunity for better theological teaching, for better doctrine, I would say, in the Bible. Even when I read, I read the epistles over the first three months of this year, I see the effort that Paul and all the apostles made to teach sound doctrine to the disciples, church after church after church. Paul was literally going from church to church explaining anywhere he saw that there was a problem whether with morality whether with christian values whether with ethics he would tell them prescriptively this is how you should deal with your neighbors this is how you should deal with your masters this is how you should deal with your servants this is how you should deal with your husbands your wives your families he was very prescriptive he didn't leave it to them he didn't leave it to say oh you have the holy ghost as the spirit leads and he was careful not to also you know, make it look like he was the one, this was his own doctrine. He was centering everything in the word and in the doctrine of Christ. But giving practical examples of how to apply this word. I really think that there has to be a consecrated effort. In fact, to, to really teach believers how to practice their faith and practice Christ and you know a lot of times when we, when, we, when we talk about practicing faith we think it is about practicing you know believing God for big things or how to get you know things I mean it's such a corrupted version of Christianity practicing faith is practicing love practicing love like going out on the street feeding the hungry that's practicing the faith because these are things that God told us to do Practicing the faith is helping, praying for the sick, you know, praying and um, supporting widows. You know, these are, this is practice. These are faith, Christian faith things. Practicing the faith is helping the homeless, helping people who do not have shelter, who do not have food. That's the Christian practice of faith. Practicing the faith is teaching your, um, um, Christian values, standing up for Christian values, not being corrupt, not taking bribe, doing your work diligently. These are this is practicing the faith. Practicing the faith is telling the truth, not bearing false witness, not being afraid to stand up for what is right, not being afraid to be persecuted for doing what is right or for saying what is right. Christian faith is not being afraid to stand up and stand against evil everywhere you 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 confront it. That's Christian faith. It's not just about I'm sorry, um, tithes and offerings, giving and receiving, you know, transactional, um, um, how would I say, money doubling type of doctrine, which is 
I don't just get it. Jesus has all of a sudden Jesus's urgency for the kingdom of heaven has all of that changed. Where is the church that is waiting for the returning of the king? Where are we? Have we suddenly decided that this earth is a better place for us to live in than heaven? I honestly believe the modern day church, if they were given the option right now to say, should we continue living immortally on this earth? Or Jesus should come and carry every, and change everything and heaven and all that. I think a lot of people will choose to stay on this earth, as crazy as that sounds. As crazy as that sounds. Except for a few people, when I say a few, relatively few people who have really gone through stuff that has made them completely disenchanted with this world. And of course, the other people who are also going through, you know what I'm saying, and really, really... Anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Like, this is amusing. So I really, I don't have to come to a conclusion or a close at every episode. Because I think some things, and I thought some things will just remain open until I can, if if at all I can bring it to a close. This is one of those things that I'm just going to continue to muse about. How I can practice my faith and be a real example of the believer in word, in deed, in faith and in purity. Not just by activities and dressing piously and, you know, religious, um, what's this word, rhythms, whereby, you know, I'm in meetings, you know, but then my life, my conduct, I'm not impactful in my community, my society. I'm not the first person that people think about when they need help. Just like people thought about Jesus. In fact, that was the thing about Jesus. Jesus was a 911 line. Any problem, they called Jesus. That was how Jesus was. Which was why multitudes were literally following him everywhere. And the apostles were the same. And we see a lot of believers around the apostles who were also very impactful in their community for just being helpful. You know what I'm saying? You know those kind of people that just help you out. So... I, I I pray that God will help me to keep these things alive in my soul and to, I need to go back into the epistles actually to start picking out those scriptures that talk about, you know, those prescriptive, those scriptures that talk about Christian ethics, Christian values, Christian conduct. You know, I think we focus so much on things like morality and all of that, which is good and fine. But then for some of us, that isn't so much the issue now, it's these other things that really have to do with making impact in society, you know. And that's what Jesus was saying. Let your light so shine on earth that men will give glory to your Father in heaven. He wanted us to be impactful in society. Salt of the earth, light of the world. Jesus wanted us to have a very highly developed sense of Christian citizenship, Christian ambassadorial impact. He wanted us to be world changers, community changers, family changers, life changers. He didn't want us to to be sh- to be like a lamp hidden under a table. He didn't want us to be shrinking violets. He never intended us to be obscure, to be unknown. He expected us to be vivid, to be bright, to shine. 
and to be light in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. And it's a necessary thing on earth today. We are not Christians to solve our own problems. We are Christians to help other people and to solve the problems of the world around us. As we do so, the Lord will solve our own problems. But our role is to prioritize the work of the kingdom, the work of God, the people that Jesus loved and died for, and to be given wholeheartedly to living out the purpose of the gospel and of Christ. In Jesus' name, may the Lord help us. May the Lord help me. May the Lord help all of us in Jesus' name. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.